Welcome to Excess and Defect 2020, a series on the seven capital vices to help you grow in virtue this Lent. I'm your host, Deacon Will Rooney, and today uh, my co-hosts are seminarians Enrique Sada Coeto and Lad Spears from the Diocese of Austin. Today we talk about vice and virtue in general, and we also touch on the vice of pride. Hope you enjoy the show. So uh, what are you doing for Lent, Lad? Good question. That's my answer to your question. Okay. Good question. No, so I have just like, um, I, I haven't decided specifically what I want to do, but I do know just like reflecting on past like Lent experiences and uh, like incorporating some kind of like, uh, like a, like, uh, sorry, words are hard. It's okay. Some kind of rigorous fasting in the past, like in the past years that I have done that before, I found that to be very fruitful for me personally. Okay. Um, and so I want that to be featured somehow in, in this Lenten okay. season. So, and uh, not, not just like a, I'm not going to eat chocolate, but like a, like a, you know, like a real penitential, a real you know, like as opposed to a fake fast, right? A fake, yeah. A penance. Okay. I'm not trying to do that. So the question was, what are we doing for what Lent? What are you doing for Lent? I have not decided either, uh, but I'm thinking something in relation to meditating mm-hmm. upon the crucifixion or the passion, something along those lines, spending more time maybe either praying the way of the cross or something like that. Surely I'll have also some, some penance, but I think I want to focus on prayer this year because... Um, I'm already on a special diet, and that's enough penance. There you go. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking along the similar lines as y'all as far as, like, doing some sort of aesthetical practice and then adding some sort of prayer. Um, so I guess a more important question, the question that I hope will kind of lead to what, what we want to make this whole entire series about is why do we do these penances? What is the purpose of fasting, uh, almsgiving, and prayer in um in during lent right what's what's the like why is the church inviting us to do this over the next eight weeks or seven weeks um and and how do we how do we go about that one uh, one way that i like to think about it um i don't know if you'll ever watch those movies where like i mean almost every movie has like this person who is has to train to prepare to defeat some evil, right? Like superhero movies, the guy or the woman discovers they have a, a power and then like they fail because they don't know how to control them, but then they find this like mentor and then they train really, really hard and like, this mentor teaches them how to control their powers. And then they go out after like this like awesome, like, you know, uh, scenes of the person training and then they go out and defeat evil. So if we think about being Christian, we're all about loving, learning how to love. And in some way, I think that Lent is like that time of the year when we spend training how to love uh, in a deeper way by uniting ourselves to Christ and by doing penance, which we can talk more about how those are related, how penance really helps us how to love. And then therefore, it helps us to gain control of ourselves so we can love. And then we can spend the rest of the year, if you will, loving more deeply. And then we do it again every year because we have to retrain. So um, anyway, those are some thoughts. Uh, that's good because it, what you touched on was, is, is something that uh, I think kind of unites all of this stuff that we're hoping to talk about. Um, love, right? Love is the meaning 
of the Christian life, learning, growing in love for God and love for our brothers and sisters, and actually being able to do that, right? So it's not just a, a, an intellectual exercise of like, oh, I, I know what love is and what's it to you, um, as the song goes. Um, but it's, a, uh, it's, it's an actual something that we do. It's an active thing. Um, and the virtues and the vices right, play a role in this. The virtues help us to love well, all of the virtues. In fact, uh, Thomas Aquinas talks about how the, the, the mode of all the virtues uh, for the, the, the Christian is charity. Um, because all of the virtues draw their their nourishment and their sustenance from the virtue of charity, and they're directed towards charity. So it's an interesting kind of interplay there of uh, of how how this all works out. Um, and likewise, vices then take us away from charity. They make us less charitable. Um, so yeah. something. Oh, go for it, Lad. Well, I, the only thing I was going to add. Um, just as it relates to love, you know, realizing too, and Enrique, you touched on this at the very beginning, you said, you know, conforming ourselves to Christ. And as it relates to the Lenten season too, I mean, I think, you know, the very love that we're talking about, that sharing, it, it, the love doesn't come necessarily from the virtues in themselves, right? It is actually from from that being conformed to Christ. And the, and the key feature of that, the characteristics of that are growth and virtue. But first and foremost, it is the person of Jesus that we're seeking to like really dive into. And we just, you know, what did he do right. before he began his ministry? Right. Yeah, he went the into the, he went into the desert for 40 days, yeah. right. So that he could draw close to his father in that, like in that um, just that divine communion. And so we're seeking to, to model that say that same behavior, right. Mm-hmm. Where we, we draw close to him in that, uh, in that intimate communion that is just a wellspring of love and of growth in virtue, right? But recognizing, right? like, you know, that, that's, the, that's the big thing that maybe separates us from the, the classical philosophers. They just, they see the, they see the growth of, in the virtues as like, that's going to be the foundation of all goodness. And we say, no, no, mm-hmm. it goes one level goes deeper, deeper than that, you know? We're hitting at the, at the very heart of what, what we're all wanting to say is, uh, or in this entire project of Lent, is to be more like Christ, to die to the old self and to rise to new life in Christ. And what that looks like is ultimately charity, but each of these these virtues that we are hoping to develop in ourselves, or we're hoping that God develops in us, really, uh, each of those makes us more like Christ. and They help us put on Christ. Something I've been thinking a lot about uh, in regards to love, and you mentioned this earlier, um, uh, Will, in regards to loving for real, not just in our minds, an idea. There's this quote I read, um, I can't remember the name of the book, but I, this is the quote. Love, it is a beautiful word, but love in practice is a harsh and dreadful thing compared to love in dreams. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so often we just speak about love and it's just, if we really think about what love entails, it's just really hard. And, and thinking about Jesus and thinking about Lent, you know, love uh, meant him being crucified. And that is very difficult to do to allow yourself to die in such a cruel manner for the sake of others. Um, and so if we don't have virtue, which we'll talk more about what virtue is, it's just, it's just hard to, just hard to love. It's, it's yeah. 
Right. So now we kind of got like the basis as love and the end as love. And we understand that that's kind of the, the whole point of Lent. But we've been using this word virtue over and over and over again. Uh, and this, uh, by the title of this reflection series, we're going to talk about vices. So you're probably wondering where uh, all of those things fit in and what they are. So what is a virtue uh, and what is a vice and how do they relate? Or what are virtues? What is virtue in general? I guess is a, a good way to, to start. Um, maybe you probably know the definition by memory. Uh, will so Deacon Will. So why don't you tell from us? the Nicomachean Ethics or uh, from Aquinas? Probably uh, uh, well, stable so, disposition. Well, actually, Aquinas calls a virtue a certain. He, he follows after Augustine here, uh, and he says a virtue is nothing other than a perfection of a power. Right, so the perfection of uh, a human power. So human beings see. So like the virtue of seeing is seeing well. Right, and actually, uh, when you see something, you recognize it for what it is, and and things like that. So that takes some unpacking, and I think it's um, a good way to think about it is uh, what the Catechism says about virtue. It says that a um, a virtue is a habitual and firm disposition to do the good. It allows the person not only to perform good acts, but to give the best of himself. The virtuous person tends towards the good with all his sensory and spiritual powers. He pursues the good and he chooses it in concrete actions. So uh, if we want to kind of break that apart, the first part is that a virtue is habitual, right? So what, uh, what does that mean? What is a habit? Habit is something you just kind of do very easily, if you will. You know, I have a habit of um, covering myself with a blanket before I go to bed, or I guess before I sleep, and I don't even think about it. I just do it. You know, just just such an ingrained habit that you just do. You don't think about it. Right. So a virtue then would be doing something like that, but that's like morally good, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. and and I think like a, a key, like a key feature of um, like a habit of virtue is that um, you take like delight. Like it's like you're you. It's not that it's not that you do something good, but you do it grudgingly. Like, man, I really wish I could have the candy bar, but I know it's not good for me, so I'm going to grudgingly like resist from eating that right now. Like that wouldn't be like a virtuous habit, but right. to like but to be like happy and and to find joy in doing what is good, right. doing the virtuous thing. Yeah, yeah, that's like the feature of the habit. Yeah, so it's a. Uh, uh, they say that um, if you have virtue, you do the good uh, quickly, easily, and with with joy, right? Like it's there, there's a promptness about it. There, they, it doesn't take you much uh, will to do it. Um, but I, I just want to kind of make a a slight. Um, caveat here, right? It's not like when you become virtuous, you just do the good automatically, right? No, you're, you're still engaged as a, as a human being, right? So you, you still choose to do the good and you still choose. It's like, it's kind of like, um, uh, Enrique and I actually play basketball here at the seminary. And if you watch really good basketball players, they still choose to, to like, make the shot, right? But they, the way that they do it, the, the ease with which they do it comes from the fact that they have the virtue of basketball playerness or whatever it is, like the, the beautiful three-point shot or, or whatever that is. 
but they're still fully engaged in the act that they're doing, right? They're still, um, they do it easily, they do it with joy, um, they're able to do it, but, and they're free to do it. Um, so there's this, this sense that virtue actually leads us to, to freedom, to the full kind of flourishing, as the Catechism says, um, of, our, of all of our sensory and spiritual powers. We're not, we don't set aside our, our, and, and deny some part of ourself when we uh, have a habit. Um, but it's, you know, because it's not a habit the same way like brushing our teeth is a habit in, in some sense. So. Sorry, maybe a blanket example was not very good. No, I mean, it, there's something to be said for it, right? Like, it makes sense, and uh, and we should we should we need to start from what we know and go to go to something that's a little more difficult, right? So we all know what like the habit of brushing our teeth or putting a blanket on or or whatever um, that we do just instantaneously. Um, but even those things, because we do them, they're still human acts in in a sense, right? They it still takes some willing to do it. Um, so it's, a, it's an interesting thing. So virtue is habitual, it's firm. Uh, a good way to think about that, um, a firm disposition, is like um, an inclination to want to do the good. Right? Uh, the, one author that I was reading um, talks about how virtue is kind of like um, a well-trod, well, they, they used a, uh, an example that we won't understand in Texas. Like if someone's sledding down a mountain, and when they first get out there, they've got the sled out, and it's kind of difficult to get down the hill because they've got to like make the path in the snow with the with the sled, right? Um, yeah, I literally have no idea what that's like. Um, so I'll use a, an example from my own life. Um, growing up, we raised animals, and so every day, twice a day, we walked out to where we had the animals from our house, <laughs> and uh, and we. <laughs> Sorry, Lad is about to eat some M and M's here. I'm opening a uh, package of peanut M and M's, and that's okay. Uh, um, it's not lit yet. It's not lit yet. Um, but, so, anyway, so we, we were walking out, and we would walk out every day, and we would because we're creatures of habit, quote unquote. We would walk the same path, and you could literally see where the path was. And so, if you if we wanted to change where that path was, it would take a long time. Like we were disposed to go down that path because it was easy and there were no tree branches and, and all that kind of kind of thing. Or if you've ever been in a cow pasture and you see like where the cows walk, even though there's all this space, they always walk right here. And they and you can see where they walk because of the the like the grass is gone and it's just dirt there and all that kind of stuff. So it's kind of like that, or kind of like a river, right? The river goes one direction when it starts, and then it it builds this channel. And if you wanted to change the direction of a river, uh, you'd need a civil engineer, right? Because you'd literally have to like dig a new trench so that the water would go that direction. So uh, it, it's this disposition or inclination towards doing something good. Um, and okay, so what's its purpose? It allows us to perform some type of good act, but it also it also like makes us a good person, right? So the person who's uh, a, has virtue is an excellent person, even when they're not performing a certain act of courage, right? It, it's you have it all the time, right? and that kind of thing. So um, so it's. 
Now, why why are we talking all about the virtues if this is uh, if this is about vice? If this kind of series is going to be about the seven uh, capital vices or the seven deadly sins, you might have heard them talked about. Or you, I mean, I think we have to talk about virtue first before we talk about vice because. Well, I, I I think it's good to know where like where we want to be. Like, yeah. let's establish first like where we want to grow um, in our like in our human flourishing, right? Before we um, yeah, before we talk about where we don't want to be, let's find out what the what the desired end state, what the end goal is. You know, the virtuous life. Let's talk about that. So that as so then we can draw the contrast to the vices. I mean, and because they're I mean they're they're linked, right? They're yeah, the, so, the vices and the virtues are linked, so it's good to establish, I think, the virtue, the idea of virtue first. Yeah, so the virtue is the absence. I'm sorry, the the vice is the absence of virtue, right? And you could you could mess up on on either way of a virtue, and we could talk about that in, in another time. But um, so it, it's interesting how uh, how this like we're going to dive into these seven deadly sins over the course of these weeks. Um, and it, hopefully what happens is by looking at the seven deadly sins, which we're going to talk about here in just a second, um, and by examining ourselves in light of learning about these vices, hopefully we can recognize, oh, I, I'm short in this way. Like I, I, I need to grow in the, vir the virtue that's opposed to the vice. So for example, if I recognize that I'm prideful, I need to grow in the virtue of humility. And there's very practical things that we can do to grow in the virtue of humility, right? Or if I'm a glutton, I need to grow in the virtue of temperance or, or whatever, all of these things. So uh, we've, we've talked about virtue and, and uh, vice is the absence of virtue. Uh, and it's a deprivation of virtue. So what are these seven deadly sins or the seven capital vices? What, what's going on with those? Um, any thoughts? What, are, what do you know about the seven deadly sins? There are seven. There are seven of them. Um, Depends on how you count them, actually. <laughs> yeah. So this is one that I always find interesting is that pride is like the chief among them. Yeah. So it's interesting because some lists actually have eight oh, sins, okay. and pride is the is like the mother sin of all of them. It's kind of like a a tree, and pride's the root, and then the trunk, and then it goes out. So, uh, and then what else? What other sins are involved with those? What? Gluttony, sloth, lust. Uh, is it wrath? I right. think is how it's not anger, it's, it's wrath, anger. right? It's right, yeah. distinction there. There's an important distinction. Good distinction. Um, well, what am I missing so far? What did you say? A list of five so far? So there's there's actually this list of vices is part of our tradition as, as a Christian. It's part of Christian tradition from pretty early on. Um, there was a guy named Evan Grius. Evan Grius. I don't know how to say his name. Uh and of Pontus, and um, he lived in the fourth century, so like 350 to 400 is when they think he lived. And he was a desert father, and he he listed out these um, these actually eight uh, 
sins that he called capital sins or deadly sins, um, gluttony, lust, avarice, wrath, sadness, sloth, vainglory, and pride. And then we kind of, as, as, we, as we do in the tradition, we develop and we understand a little bit more and, and different people have different ways. Like this isn't divine revelation, right? That, that there's seven deadly sins and that kind of thing. Um, but it kind of develops until Gregory and Aquinas. Um, and Aquinas ends up with a list of vainglory, envy, sloth, avarice, wrath, lust, gluttony, and then pride as the root of all of those. So he says that pride is the chief of all of the, the vices, and all these other things are, um, are like its daughter vices, or if pride is the general, or pride is the king, these are generals in the, the army of sin. Um, so, you know, these are just images to help us kind of uh, think about this. So, if we said that vice is the opposite of virtue, or not exactly the opposite, but the deprivation of virtue, um, what does vice lead us to? Sin, lack of freedom, lack of being able to love. Because it's almost like a habit, but to do the, the, the wrong, the bad, so... Right. Yeah. So it's it's exactly it is a habit to do the wrong, and it's it's crazy because um, we actually the more we sin, and I, I know that this has been the case in my own life. Right. The more we fall into a particular sin, the easier it is to fall into that sin again and again and again. Right. Um, so just like when we do when we choose some good. Uh, when we choose some good over and over again, it becomes easier and easier to do. So also when we choose some evil, it becomes easier and easier to do, right? We define like our, our, ourselves in a sense, in a loose sense, by the actions that we do over and over again. And I think there's a, you, there's a, it's an interesting juxtaposition and Enrique you talked about it you know we talk about a habit of virtue it becomes easier and easier to do the right thing and like the inverse is true with with a vice it becomes harder and harder to resist doing the bad thing there's this there's like another inversion right there yeah uh, an inversion of from from good to bad an inversion from freedom to slavery right yeah yeah so we've got these seven sins, or these seven, um, we call them the seven sins, but it's better to think of them as vices, right? Because a vice is, if a virtue is a stable disposition to do the good, a vice is a stable disposition to do the wrong, as we just said. And, uh, and they, so they lead to, instead of good acts, they lead to evil acts, right? Which are the actual sins. So they're like sinful attitudes or sinful dispositions in ourselves. And um, why are they called deadly or why are they called capital? Um, so there, there's two words that we use. And actually, I, I think the second one is better. Capital is better than deadly because it's true. Deadly, they are deadly in the sense that they will lead to death, right? They lead us to a place of death. But they in themselves are not like mortal sins. Like you could, you could have a little sin of pride or you could have a little sin of, of uh, you know, 
anger or a little sin. But if you do it over and over and over again, it will lead you to spiritual ruin, to, to death. And, and, but if you think of them as capital sins, right, they, they're like the head sins. They're the, the root from which everything else comes. Um, and and they're, it's specific, right? These seven are, are lined up with the things that most attract human beings, right? The things that we long to possess. So how would that kind of work? Well, pride, what, what is pride a, a kind of a twisting of? Thinking that you're God or something like that, right? Right. I mean, honor, honor, honor. the desire for honor, putting putting ourselves like we we desire um, we desire to be to be known, to be loved, right? It's kind of all of that stuff altogether. Uh, so it's it becomes instead of in humility accepting our creatureliness from God, we say, "I want to." To be number one, right? I want to be the who, who gets to decide everything, and that's what pride is, um, you know. Or, uh, but it's not a bad thing to want to be known by God, right? To have our, or it's not a bad thing to to want to have worth. I, I feel like I'm kind of jumping around on this this one a little bit here, but the point is that every vice is a corruption of a good desire, right? Yeah. So, like, pride desires that. Lust. Well, what is lust desiring? Lust desires a community, community with another person. I mean, ultimately, union with another person. And it's a corruption of that. Instead of reaching out and loving the other person, um, we grasp after this pleasure that comes from, is, is supposed to come from a true communion of persons, but ends up being turned into just a situation of one person using the other person or both people using each other or whatever. Um, and so uh, avarice, right? Is it wrong to desire after the goods of this earth and to make use of them? No, of course not. But if we do that too much or if it becomes the the end of our life as opposed to the... Not just, not just a means to... You know, to the end. benefit others. You know, benefit yeah. yourself, the people around you. Exactly. And and what's interesting, and this is what uh, I love about this book that we're kind of making reference to every once in a while. It's called Glittering Vices um, by uh, what's her first name? Rebecca DeYoung. Um, it's a good book. Uh, and what's interesting is she says they the vices have such attractive power because they promise a good that seems like true human perfection and complete happiness. Um, it, and they, they have, and she quotes Augustine saying that vices, these vices have a, a flawed reflection of beauty. So there's, and I, it's where she takes this title from, glittering vices, right? Yeah, I was going to ask the story behind behind that. I figured it had to be something. Yeah, it's like I, it's that they're attractive because they promise us some. They they pretend to be um, beautiful, right? They they say, well, if you if you do this, right, it'll be an easier way to be satisfied, to be happy, right? Um, the way she puts it is, they promise us a shortcut 
and a recipe for self-made satisfaction. In their own twisted way, the vices are our attempts to attain goods like love and friendship and provision and security, recognition, approval, comfort and pleasure, status and worth, all by ourselves. But that, that gets at the heart of it, right? Because we're not all by ourselves. Like, and if we, we're, we're not self-made men. And so the, the I, I just find this really compelling uh, that like the goal of our life is to become like Christ. And it's really easy for us to do two things, to fall into two errors in that. We can say on the one hand, it, this is impossible, right? This is impossible. And, and if we say that it's impossible to become like Christ, we'll fall into vices because we won't find any satisfaction in following after the Lord, right? Or we can say, I can do it all by myself. And we'll fall into vices because we're, we're just seeking after things over and over again with no reference to God. Hence why pride is the... Exactly. The chief, the chief. Of, of the principal vice. It is. That notion. I, I, I don't need anybody else because I am powerful enough myself right. to do this so well. And it's really subtle, right? I mean, it, and sometimes it can be very, very subtle. So it behooves us. It, it's, it's a really good thing for us to take a look at ourselves through the lens of the vices and say, Lord, where are you calling me to grow? Where have I let this kind of self-sufficiency creep into my heart? Um, is it in, you know, like, is it in uh, material things? Am I, am I going after things? Right? Because it, what happens is if we say we're self-sufficient, what really ends up happening is we choose something else to find our happiness in. Because we're made for God, right? Like we're made to be completed by another and from our, the very depths of our being. And so there's a certain, um, we, I mean, what's the, what's the quote from Augustine, Enrique? Uh, restless, our hearts are restless. So the rest of the yeah. So like we, we have this restlessness for another and we want another to fulfill us. And all of the vices, they, we're seeking for that thing in one way or another. Um, and so there's a, an invitation here to examine ourselves in light of these vices so that we can grow in virtue, so that we can be, um, be like God, ultimately. Gregory of Nyssa says that the goal of a virtuous life is to become like God. We don't do that ourselves. God is working in us, but He wants us to cooperate with Him, right? We we cooperate with Him. We um, and all that means is that we respond to His grace. That's what cooperation means. Yeah. The one piece of spiritual advice that that um, that I've received before from a priest, I thought was, you know, and and I have continued to just kind of ponder this and um, and ask myself what it might mean, like for me, for example, but. Um, just kind of again contrasting those those areas of vice and virtue in our own lives. And the piece of advice that that he gave me was that you know so often actually you know the those areas of our lives those vices that we struggle with in fact like the Lord in His mercy and His providence like 
he he in fact has um, like great things that he wants to do with us specifically in that area of a vice like like what is like the, the the contrary virtue to that vice like he has just you know a, a storehouse of grace that he wants to share with us to do great things in that in that virtue the virtue that's contrary to that very vice that we find so prevalent in our own lives and so um, I think that's like a that's like a huge piece of encouragement to when we to, to first to recognize the vice within ourselves and then when we find it like it's kind of easy to become discouraged with that but instead to think you know, like no like if this is a vice that I really struggle with there's a corollary virtue yeah. that the Lord really is calling me to excel at and and to really to like radically go forward in love and to use that virtue to enrich the lives of people around me you yeah. know. That's a very consoling thought. Yes, I like it. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, just just one more kind of idea, right? If you want to, if you want to get rid of a tree, if we think of the tree as sin, right, and it's bearing bad fruit and all that kind of stuff, uh, it's not enough just to like cut off a couple branches. We gotta we gotta cut it at the root. And so. Um, this is, John Cassian has, has these words to say to us. He says, For a tall and spreading tree of a noxious kind will be made eat more easily to wither if the roots on which it depends have first been laid bare and cut. And a pond of water which is dangerous will be dried up at once if the spring and flowing channel which produce it are carefully stopped up. So you gotta, we got to look for the roots. And that's why we're looking at the vices. We're looking at the the root of sin in our life, so that what Lad just said uh, can be can be true in our lives. That um, we can cooperate with God's grace in those places where we're weak, and we can give Him glory and help other people in those places from those places. So uh, we hope you'll join us uh, as we go through uh, this entire time of Lent. Um, and uh, we'll see you next week uh, as we return, and we'll be talking about the virtue or the vice of, I believe, <laughs> I should have looked at the book. Uh, we're going to talk. We're going to talk about envy, envy, and and we're just an interesting, uh, just a point, right? We're not talking about pride in specific in anyone, because pride will be involved in every one of these vices. So uh, we hope you'll join us next week.